Well, good morning. Thank you, Pastor Phil. Our uh, scripture today uh, is from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And I'd like us to just say these words together. They should be here for you. Let's say these together. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Thank you for standing out of reverence for God's word. You may be seated. Well, today we're facing our family. And uh, I found this cartoon that uh, I think might, for some of us, uh, it's humorous, I hope. And it says this, if you can't read it, it says, you can't choose your family, but you can choose to turn them in for the reward. So, I don't know. Yeah, I got already an amen. The day has started well. Well... As we uh, spend time together today, I am grateful to Pastor Scott for the opportunity to spend a few minutes with you because uh, he could pick anybody he wants. He knows a lot of people uh, that he could come and and, uh, have speak, but it's such a great journey for me in my own journey of faith. It's such a great experience as I work out some of these passages of Scripture and, uh, and then I prepare and I come and I, and I bring that to present. And that's really what this is about. It's a journey of faith. Uh, and today what my hope is, is that as we visit a few minutes together this morning, that perhaps for you, it'll just be a click forward in your faith. Uh, I think that the Christian faith is about progress more than it is perfection. We just need to keep moving in our faith and making progress, and that's what I hope for you today. It has certainly been that for me as I've prepared to talk about this fifth commandment. Well, Pastor Scott uh, said something in his email a couple of weeks ago, and he said that that when he introduced that I was going to be the one speaking, he said that I have great parents, and he is absolutely right. As I have thought about my parents uh, throughout this journey of preparing for today, uh, it is in fact a blessing that I know that I have been very much more aware of even in preparing. So let me introduce you to Bud and Ruth Curry. This is Bud and Ruth. My mom is 83. She doesn't look it. Mom, if you're watching, you don't look anywhere close to that. I just want to say that publicly. My dad will be 82 in uh, just a few months, Bud and Ruth Curry. They adopted me when I was two years of age, 1970. You can do the math, you kids down front, do the quick math, you can tell how old I am. Here's what mom and dad have done for me. They introduced me to Jesus at a very early age. They have been parents for me that are very easy to honor. When I asked my mom permission to show a picture, this is just from a few months ago, at the coast in Oregon where they live very close to my sister and their family. Some of you know mom and dad because they came to church here for a couple of years when they lived here in Wichita after retiring from 56 years of full-time pastoral ministry. My dad, no question, is one of the, if not the most godly men on planet Earth. My wife on occasion will say when I'm having one of those tough days, she'll remind me I need to be more like my dad. There's some truth in that. Uh, What's interesting about my mom and dad, they were married in 1960, and when I asked my mom if I could share these pictures, she sent me this one. She said, well, we'd rather 
we'd rather you show a younger one. So this is from their wedding day in 1960. August this year, they'll, ce they'll celebrate 62 years of marital bliss. When you ask my mom, how is it that you can be married this long and still be so happy? She loves to tell this uh, story. She says, well, listen, David, early on in our marriage, I said to your dad, bud, you can either be right or you can be happy. <laughs> David, he's been happy. They have a great relationship, and it is a tribute, I think, to them today that, that I'm able to share with you just a little bit about the fifth commandment. Now, the truth is, those of you who know me, I am Dave Curry. Um, I have broken this commandment. I have not always been honoring to my mom and dad, and I have also not always been very honorable to my kids. So this journey that we're going to go on today, just for a few minutes together, it's a process. It is my journey that I'm going to share just a few thoughts in today's scripture. But the good news is that today is a new day, that we can get back up, we can continue. And even for a guy like me, who isn't always quite as honoring or honorable as I would like to be, not as easy to honor as I would like to be for my kids, there is hope. And there is hope in these words. Well, as I have thought about this journey that I have been on, what I'm hoping for today, as I said a minute ago, is just to invite you in and for you to be able to make a click forward in some way. Let me just take a time out if I could, and I just want to pray God's blessing over today, and I need his help And uh, as I communicate with you, and I'd like to ask for that. Lord Jesus, thank you for our time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for my parents. Lord, now, will you help me in this moment, these few minutes together, to communicate what you've laid on my heart. Holy Spirit, will you come and filter the words that come out of my mouth? I want them to be pleasing, but I want the hearer to be able to make a click forward in their lives through your help. In your name we pray, amen. Well, in my journey, I've really been trying to strip away everything that I think I know about the Ten Commandments. And so what I mean by that is, as I've studied, the, this song has kind of kept coming back to me. I think it's getting back to the basics. Now, I've got a picture here on the screen for you of a band from 1992 by the name of For Him. Mm-hmm. Come on. I'll be honest. I put this picture up here for you, maybe more than anything, out of hair envy. <laughs> because in 1992, I actually had hair like that. Come on. For Him released a song in 1992 called The Basics of Life. And I was thinking, I was singing this song in my head as I was thinking about the Ten Commandments. Because in reality, I think what the Ten Commandments are for us is getting back to the basics of life. Listen to these lyrics that came out of this song that they released in 1992. Tell me they don't apply today. We've turned the page, for a new day has dawned. We've rearranged what is right and what's wrong. Somehow we've drifted so far from the truth that we can't get back home. Where are the virtues that once gave us light? Where are the morals that governed our lives? Someday 
We all will awake and look back just to find what we've lost. We need to get back to the basics of life. I think those words apply to us today. Before I jump into commandment number five, I want to just give you four things. They're in your notes because they're the lens that I'm looking at the Ten Commandments through. You see, in my journey this last several weeks, I pulled this down off of the wall at my house. I've had this up on the wall at, at my house for I don't know how many years. And it began, it, what I was thinking about these Ten Commandments is, are they just a plaque hanging on my wall? Are they just a plaque or something hanging in a courtroom somewhere or in a city hall? Or is there something more for us to look at today? And I believe that there is. And so the first, the first thing that I want to tell you about how I'm thinking about the Ten Commandments is this. I believe this with all my heart. These words are words of life and freedom. A couple of the resources that I used, and I think you would find helpful as well, Pastor Phil, in fact, introduced me to this. Words of Life, Jesus and the Promise of the Ten Commandments Today by Adam Hamilton. And then this book was written several years ago by Sean Gladding. Ten, Words of Life for an Addicted, Compulsive, Cynical, Divided, and Worn Out Culture. Get a copy of these if you want and study them because they have been so very helpful to me. And they both make the point. They both have the premise that these are words of life and freedom for us today. They are not just prohibitions. So that's the number one thing that I'm thinking about as I think about these Ten Commandments. The number, number two thing is this. These words are for us. What do I mean by that? They were given to the children of Israel when they had come out of slavery. Just some 50 days after they had come out of slavery, God gave them these words. I believe while these would be wonderful things for our society to adhere to, no question our world would be better. But I think first and foremost, they are for us, the people of God. Those of us who call ourselves Christ followers. And when we, when we really learn to live out these words, we show a lost and dying world what it means and what difference it makes to follow Jesus. We are, in fact, light in a dark world. They're words of life and freedom. They're words for us. The third thing is this. These words are for today as much as any time in our history. I believe these words are for today. I found this article. It was all the way back from 1989, but I think it's probably how a lot of people think about, and maybe some of us, hopefully not, think this way, but this is the way the headline read. Turner hands down new Ten Commandments. Cable TV mogul offers voluntary initiatives on problems in modern world. The article went on to say that Ted Turner, the cable news network founder, told newspaper executives the Ten Commandments of the Christian and Hebrew scriptures are out of date. When Moses went up on the mountain, he said, there were no nuclear weapons, there was no problem with the ozone layer, or these other problems that we have today. Well, I give you this to say, uh, rubbish. I don't believe that. I believe that these words are applicable to our lives today. The Ten Commandments. They are words of life and freedom. They are for us and they are for today. 
Lastly, when I think of these 10 words, I have been more and more over these past several weeks hearing the words of Jesus. You have heard, but I tell you. I think there is a layer that can be peeled back from just the initial reading or just the initial looking at these commandments. I think that there's more. And in Jesus' words, he is broadening our perspective. And if we'll just go a layer or two deep, like peeling back the layers of an onion, maybe even through shedding a tear, we will learn that there is more for us in these words. So those four things really, as we jump off into the fifth commandment about honoring father and mother. Now, I will tell you that some of my own journey has led me to believe that at times, I think I am filtering these Ten Commandments through kind of my, I'm going to call it this because it's what I've been thinking, kind of my Americanized view of how I go about following these Ten Commandments. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, especially as we jump into the fifth commandment. I found a couple of different articles, and this first headline said, the federal government will spend half its budget on older adults in 10 years. The article in the, in the article itself, it said, in 10 years, the federal government will spend half its budget, $3 trillion, on those aged 65 and older. Now, hear these words out of the article. Without this federal spending, the burden of caring for parents would fall even more heavily on their children. See, I have found there to be a tension in my life as I have thought about what it really means to live out this fifth commandment. This next research article that I found, the headline said, older people are more likely to live alone in the U.S., than elsewhere in the world. The statistics that they cite say this, 27% of adults aged 60 and older live alone, compared with 16% of adults in the other 130 countries and territories studied. In fact, the article said, in some regions of the world, less than 5% of seniors live alone. Say, well, that's cultural. It's America. This is kind of how we do things. We're a wealthy nation, so that makes a difference. But then the article went on to compare Christians to non-Christians. And the slide that you may not be able to fully see shows that Christians live alone more often than non-Christians. And in fact, only 29% of Christians worldwide, not just in America, live with extended family, while 42% of non-Christians live with extended family. Now, this last piece that the screen shows, which you definitely can't see because of all of the detail of it, I think there's one more slide here. And what this slide showed is that of all the world religions studied in this article, it was against what I would have thought to be true but more often than not, the number one world religion where people lived with extended family and they were taking care of their elders was the Hindu religion. Seven out of ten Hindus worldwide live with extended family. Well, what does all of that mean for us today? As we jump into the fifth commandment, it's this. I think there is a tension that 
I hope today you will feel, as we talk about this as I have, and we wrestle with what it really means to live out the fifth commandment. What we know to be fact, as Pastor Scott shared with us last week, the first four commands are our relationship, our vertical relationship to God. And when we have those rightly ordered, then it sets us up for the next six, which is our relationship with each other. Jesus said, love God, the first four, love others, the last six. So today, what we see in the fifth commandment is our relationship, our right relationship with others starts at home. It's an important relationship. Now, when I do kind of get ready for a message like this, um, I'll ask people what they think. I'll ask people, hey, what does it mean to honor? And uh, I think he's up there, if I'm not mistaken. Is Miles up there? Hey, Miles. I'll tell you right now, if you want to know anything about sharks, you ask Miles Ehrlich. He knows everything about sharks. I asked him earlier this week. I had an, I had an opportunity to play softball with the young men. Still had a little game. I'm not going to, I mean, it wasn't bad. Come on. Don't laugh at that. But Miles and I sat in between the two games and I said, Miles, I'm, I'm speaking on Sunday. I'm, I'm, I've got the message on Sunday. I said, what do you think? What does it mean to honor your father and mother? First thing he said to me was, well, you're speaking Sunday. And I said, I'm speaking Sunday. He said, well, I think you ought to shave. <laughs> That's fair. I was a little scruffy. I did shave, okay, just for the record. Thank you, Miles, for that good advice. I love that. But he said, what does it mean to honor? And he said two things. He said, for him, what it means to honor is do his chores and be kind. I think that's good advice, don't you? That's a great place for us to start. Well, what I want us to look at today is really three things. What does it mean to honor? Who is my father and mother? And then look at the blessing that is attached to this commandment. And then hopefully we'll finish with a few practical ways to kind of live this out. So what does it mean to honor? Well, the Hebrew word, now you'll see this spelled differently. If you're a Hebrew scholar, forgive me, I may have missed it a little bit here. I, yeah, I've seen it a couple of different ways. But the word for honor is kavod. It is in your notes. And the word kavod means this. It is a heaviness. It is weighty. It is heavy or weighty or giving greatness to. Now the opposite in the Hebrew is this word. It's kalah, which means light. And is used as a verb to signify disrespect, to take something or someone lightly. So when we think about honor and what it means to honor... We do hear words in the New Testament like children, obey your parents. Well, the word for obey means to hear or to listen. But you see, the word honor goes well beyond that. And the word honor means there is an attitude, a mindset, great respect for our father and mother and to treat them accordingly. It is something within me. It is a desire for good for my father and mother. Yes, it is to hear, it is to listen, but there is a weightiness in how I think of my parents. I think it is a spirit of honor. 
Well, what did Jesus have to say about this commandment? In Mark chapter 7, verses 9 through 13, we see an account of Jesus talking about this commandment. He says this, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is korban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. Let me talk about korban just for a second so you understand what that meant. In the, Jew, in the Jewish tradition, they had come up with some, you know, we know this about the Pharisees. We pick on them quite a bit. They had come up with some extra rules. And what they said was this idea of korban was that if your money or your possessions, if you wanted, if you wanted them devoted to God, you would call korban. And it ultimately ended up being really a loophole because when you called money korban, and then in this passage, Jesus points out that your parents are in need, you could almost essentially go, my money is korban. It is devoted to God. Therefore, I cannot help you in need, mom and dad. Well, the interesting thing about the idea of Korban was this. If you study it, you'll find that you actually didn't even have to give the money to the temple. All you really had to do was call Korban. And you could give a little bit of it to the temple. And so there was this loophole that Jesus calls out and says, you call your money Korban and then you don't help your mother and father. And he goes on to say, you nullify the law by doing so. It's recorded again in Matthew chapter 15. And the reason I wanted to show you this is because it even goes a little bit further here. And I've got this for you on the screen because he says essentially the same words, but he also goes in and says, you are hypocrites for doing that. You nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You are hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. So the first thing we see in the words of Jesus is very much that honoring father and mother is important, to say the very least. He quotes the commandment. He talks about it. But then Jesus goes even a step further, I believe, and he ties money to the fifth commandment. He ties possessions and money, finances, to this fifth commandment. Sean Gladding, in this book that I mentioned he kind of brings up this question as he is discussing the fifth commandment. And it's this question. Again, a little bit of tension is okay here. He says, well, so if I don't pay my tithe to the church in order to help my parents, pastor, is that okay? Now, he doesn't answer that question necessarily in the book, but, he's, but we're left to kind of wrestle with that. The pastor in the book that he tells the story of says, well, that's a good one. I don't know. That's a tough one. But he says, honestly, most of the time when 
people need to give to their parents, and that's the question. They've maybe stopped giving to the church long ago. But at the end of the day, he makes us kind of wrestle with this question around what does it mean to honor father and mother? William Barclay, he's a commentator on the New Testament, a well-known commentator, and listen to the words that he said about this Mark passage of Scripture. Jesus was attacking a system which puts rules and regulations before the claim of human need. The commandment of God was that the claim of human love and human ties should come first. The commandment of the scribes was that the claim of legal rules and regulations should come first. Jesus was quite sure that any rules and regulation which prevented a man from giving help where help was needed was nothing less than a contradiction of the law of God. We must have a care that we never allow rules and regulations to paralyze the claims of charity and love. Nothing that prevents us helping a fellow man can ever be a rule approved by God. Well, you remember the article that I showed you and the statement that was made in the article which has caused me tension, caused me some angst as I've thought about it, are, are these words. Without this federal spending, the burden of caring for parents would fall even more heavily on their children. The question that I've been asking myself, is that really what God intended when he gave the fifth word to the people of Israel? So what does it mean to honor? Well, first, I think it means not to dishonor. Don't disrespect. Don't speak ill of. Don't curse. One of my friends who works in elder care said one of the most dishonoring, disrespectful things that he sees is sibling rivalries over mom and dad. He says it ultimately comes down to finances more often than not. And he said these words, it is more often than not a heart of dishonor which is the possessive spirit that they have about mom and dad's stuff. So what does it mean to honor? Well, I believe it means to hear, to listen. I believe it means to respect with our words and actions. I do believe that there is a deeper layer of honor, which is to support, to provide care, potentially, depending on what situation our parents are in. Well, we see Paul in Ephesians speak to this commandment as well. And I want to bring this passage of Scripture up because I believe there's another side to honor. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Do not exasperate your children. You see, this other side of honor, I believe, as I mentioned to begin with, I have not always been good at. I have missed the mark. So let me just speak to parents just for a second. Paul says, don't exasperate. In other words, be a parent that your kids can find easy to honor. Now, if you have not been that, if you're like me and you've missed it a time or ten, it's okay. Today is a new day. Apologize. Make amends. 
You can take the first step in the cycle of honor in your family. You can do that. I think honoring your parents is also addressed through how we interact with our kids. We need to be parents that are easy to honor. Now, I want to call just time out for a second because I know that not everyone that is listening today had Bud and Ruth Curry as their parents. You may have grown up in a home where there was neglect, where there was abuse, where your mother and father, whether it be birth biological or whether it be adoptive or foster, weren't good to you. They were not examples of Christ-likeness. So what I want to say just for a, a, a second is this. First of all, I'm sorry that you've been through that. If you're listening to my words today, I know, I can only imagine the pain that you've experienced. So what does this command mean to someone who's had parents that weren't really at all easy to honor, and in fact, many ways abdicated their responsibility as a parent through their own action? Well, I don't think the commandment excludes you what I do think is there is healing and perhaps for you the, the honor that you can give to those parents is to simply get to a place where you can no longer harbor anger or bitterness towards them. Maybe in your heart you can give some ounce of forgiveness. See, I believe, here's the thing, I believe that on the other side of honor is a blessing waiting for you. This commandment does not exclude you, and the blessing is not excluded from you. There are definitely people that can help with that, much more uh, qualified than I, to help you in that healing. But this commandment does not exclude you if your parents were not really easy to honor. I do not believe that you're required to have close relationship with a parent that has been or is abusive. I think boundaries are right. I think Pastor Scott would say that. I think, I think therapists would say that. Boundaries are right. But I think somehow, someway, with the help of Almighty God, we have to get to a place of honor and a heaviness or a weightiness so that we can experience in our own lives these words of life and freedom. Well, let's get back to the scripture and look at who is my father and mother. Well, first we can rightly know that it is our family. It is our birth or adoptive parents, the people that raised us. As I've said, that's Bud and Ruth Curry. Certainly honoring to them is an easy thing. But this is also a point where I think Jesus' words of you have heard, but I tell you, come into play for me. See, the word in the Hebrew as well as in the Greek for father they include a broader definition to include elders, ancestors, forefathers, people that are not always necessarily my blood relative. Yes, it is my father, my mother, my biological parents, my adoptive parents. But I believe also in this idea of adoption that we experience in the family of God is a key principle for us to understand who we are to honor. We as Christ's followers are adopted into the family of God. We are family. 
we get a glimpse of the importance of this caring for our parents and elders when Jesus, in John chapter 19, verses 25 through 27, if you remember the story, Jesus is hanging on the cross. His mother is at the foot of the cross. John, his beloved friend, is there. And this is what Jesus says. Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus, in one of his final acts of honor, entrusts his mother to a dear friend. Now, what scholars tell us is there were still siblings that were alive. He could have entrusted his mother Mary to one of the siblings, but instead, he knows what the right thing is. He's Jesus, and he entrusts his mother to John, his beloved friend. And now what we know to be true is John will care for Mary the widow, the one who has just lost her son for the remainder of her life. She will live with him until she passes. So who might we need to be John to? Adam Hamilton in his book says, this command in its historical context was about so much more than submitting to the authority of a parent. It was about how each generation had a call to care for those who had come before them. In 1 Timothy 5, we hear Paul's words, Treat older women as you would your mother, and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. And then in verse 8, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own households, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. James, in chapter 1, verse 27, says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. So who is my father and mother? Well, it absolutely is my biological father and mother. It is my adoptive father and mother. It is those who raised me. It is, in my case, I believe my in-laws, my mother and father-in-law are still living. It can be aunts and uncles. I'm sure they need our respect and honor as well. But I think also in Jesus's words, we see that it is the larger community of elders in my faith community, the family of God. Who might we need to be John to? Well, the last thing is this. We see a blessing attached to this commandment. So that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. The first thing that I believe we receive in blessing is just from the pure fact of being obedient to God's word. I believe there is a blessing built into that. There is also, though, I think a very practical side of this attached specifically to this commandment. The cycle of honor really leads to the circle of life, if you will. It's God saying, honor your elders. First, your parents, your adoptive parents, your grandparents, and your life will be better. 
You will be better. You will be blessed. He says your days will be prolonged. We're not exactly sure what that fully means, but I will say this. One study that I looked at said that aging adults live four to five years longer when they are in community in close association with people. Hmm. So what do we do with this today? What are the practical steps that we can take to show honor? Well, let me give you three things that I think can apply to us, and then I'm going to kind of give you one final word on how I think we might be able to apply it as a church. First of all, to our parents, our birth parents, our adoptive parents. Well, here's some homework. I will tell you that I had to do this during this process of studying for today. One day it hit me. Now, I, I'll just tell you, I've been kind of an emotional, I've been emotional lately. My wife says, man, dude, you need to get your hormones checked or something because I'm teary. I'm just teary a lot. And it's been through this journey that it's been this way. And I just called time out one day and I called my mom. I said, mom, is dad there? She said, no, he's out working at Brittany's house. That's my niece. I said, well, that's okay. I'll tell you and then I'll tell him later. And I said, Mom, I just want you to know how grateful I am, how much I love you, how thankful I am for you in the way that you brought me up. I did the same thing for my dad. So this is what I want you to do. If your parents are still living, birth parents, adoptive parents, if they live around here, tell them today. Tell them how much you love them. If they don't live around here, call them. Send them a note. Take them for coffee. Do something and let them know that you appreciate them and the way that they brought you up. Now, if you don't have that kind of relationship and you can't do that, then today I want you just to, uh, perhaps when we close out our time together, just spend a minute or two in prayer and ask God, what would be the next right step for me in my desire? I believe your desire to honor is what's very important. Ask God, what is the next right step for you to honor that parent that maybe wasn't easy to honor? Number two is this. Ask yourself this question. Am I living in a way that honors my parents and makes it easy for my kids to honor me? Take a look in the mirror. Allow God to continue or begin the restorative work through the person of Jesus. Here is the good news. Even if you've been a jerk all of your life to this point, maybe in both directions, maybe you've been a jerk to your parents, maybe you've been a jerk to your kids. Even if that's true, we believe in transformation. We believe in a God that can meet you where you are. You can change. You can surrender your life today and allow the healing to begin in those relationships. But it begins with a relationship with Jesus. You can make that change today. We're going to hopefully give you a chance to do that if you've not done that. Listen, yesterday, we know this to be true, but sometimes we don't act like it. Yesterday is gone. We can't do a thing about yesterday, but today might be your day to begin making amends in those relationships. Again, 
Third thing, if your parents are still living, I'm going to challenge us all. There has been a tension that I've described. I want us to look at the care that they're being provided. What is the plan? Be willing to talk about that. Now listen, not suggesting that all of you move mom and dad in with you. That might not be honoring to them. Okay? What I am asking us to do as a people is to think about, be willing to talk about what it is that that's going to look like. And hey, if you're an elderly parent, I'm telling you right now, you need to be willing to have that discussion. It is honoring in both ways. Now, my last thought for us is let's be a church of God's people that looks around at our community. First, in-house, these people that you see among you, that you worship with each and every week. If they are alone and there are no kids, no spouse, love on them. Send them a note. Take them for coffee. Let's be a church of people who love and respect and honor our elders. Let's be that kind of people. We will be an example to the world around us when we do that. I am thinking of a man by the name of Charles Boyer. He gave me this book back in the early 90s. And it's Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words. It sounds riveting, right? But it is phenomenal. He loved this book and he invested in my life. He was a father to me. He has since gone on to heaven. He is in glory. But I remember Charlie Boyer investing in my life and many men like him that spent time. And, and my life is better for it. There is a blessing attached I was reminded of growing up and my mom and dad taking us to nursing homes and my sister and I we would sing songs to the residents in these nursing homes and I'm sure that was a blessing for them but I will tell you today as I stand before you I believe there is so much more blessing for us in that way of treating and respecting and honoring our elders, our parents, our forefathers, those who have gone before us. Adam Hamilton in his book talks about a ministry in their church where families go into nursing homes and assisted living facilities and they bring animals because those people don't have pets anymore. Maybe that's something that we could do. One final story. I got this person's permission to tell this story, and I think that it speaks to, as we wrap up today, I had an opportunity. It was a divine appointment. There's no doubt in my mind that it was a divine appointment. I had lunch recently with a friend. This friend came from a home where abuse, uh, sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse was really the norm. Alcoholic mother, left father, married again, stepdad was a total train wreck, was the abuser. And so I asked my friend, what does it mean? What does it mean to you when I say the words of the fifth commandment? This friend spent time with aunts and uncles and grandma and grandpa, and didn't live most of the younger years even at home. 
My friend said, well, let me frame that question with this story. When mom passed away, our siblings all came together and nieces and nephews and cousins. When dad passed away, we had gotten together and talked about our good memories. So we wanted to do the same thing for mom. And each one of the siblings essentially went kind of down the line, six or seven of them, saying things like, I don't really remember any good memories of mom. Almost every one of them said the exact same thing. I remember heartache. I remember being left at home alone. I remember having to get her from the bar. And a niece chimed in. And the niece had lived right next door in the later years of this mother's life. And the niece said, I don't know who you're talking about. That's not the same person that I knew. That's not grandma. And my friend said these words. He said what it reminded him of was this. He said, here's the thing, David. What I learned in that moment was that when I show honor, whether or not it's deserved, I am receiving the blessing of being involved in God's divine redemption plan. There is a blessing on the other side of this commandment for us. These are words of life and freedom. Today, as we wrap up, Pastor Phil's going to sing just a song for us. And I just want you to take a moment to think about how you, how I, how we can be going about moving forward, honoring our mother and father. And also for you, where that healing might need to come from, perhaps surrendering that to God and asking him for what the next right step for you and your journey is.